Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If you and I are ever going to reach the potential God has for us, we have to learn this principle. We have to learn to submit to the shepherd, which is God. And then we have to learn to submit to his under shepherds, pastors, elders today. If children of Israel are ever going to get to the promised land, they're going to have to submit to God in God's timing. And they're going to have to be led by a human who's being led by God. That's Joshua. It's no different today. Why do so many people fail to reach the full potential God has for their life? Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners of the threats that often hinder the Lord's plans for our lives. The root of most of these problems is pride. We're commanded in Scripture to submit to the authority placed over us, primarily in our churches. Many, however, become prideful and bitter towards authority, thus limiting God's ability to use us. The Lord created us to value relationships just as he did on earth. Have you let pride limit your effectiveness on this earth? Repent and humble yourself today. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Ephesians as he continues part 11 in his series entitled Unlimited Opportunities. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, the first thing he said was this, because the world system says this, serve me. And that's why many of you come to our campuses. Serve me. We're glad to serve you, but that's a funky attitude. That's not a Christ attitude. When Jesus came, do you remember what he said? I didn't come to be served. I came to serve you. That's where the blessing is. My greatest blessing is serving you. Our world says the opposite. And so I want to challenge you today. I don't know where you're at. Find yourself to get into a place like Joshua, serving. That's the way you mature. Now, when we read Joshua 1.1, Moses has died. It isn't a surprise, like Moses dies and all of a sudden God says to Joshua, okay, you're going to lead now. He already knew a little time before this that he was going to lead. Let's go back and look at it. It's in Numbers. You're close by. Just turn two books back toward the beginning of the Bible. Notice right on the overhead, you're in Joshua. Go to Deuteronomy and then go to Numbers. Deuteronomy, Numbers, chapter 27. And let's see what happens in this conversation. Moses is still alive. But there's going to be a beginning of transfer of power. Moses is still alive. Numbers 27, verse 12. Everybody, all our campuses, those of you watching on the internet, watch this. Then the Lord said to Moses, go up this mountain into the Arabim range and see the land I've given the Israelites. After you have seen it, 
you too will be gathered to your people. And this is just a rehearsal of that Moses is going to see the promised land, the land of Israel, but he's never going to be able to go into it. So God says, okay, I'm going to take you up. I'm going to show you the land. I promise it to you. That's the land where they're going to go. It's another whole sermon, but can't get there today. But now, Moses, after you've seen it, you're going to die. Our times are in God's hands. Verse 15. And Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community, over these two million Jewish people, to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so that the Lord's people will not be like, notice, sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Okay, here's my solution. Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom the Spirit is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him, and have him stand before Eleazar the priest in the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. In other words, do this beginning to transfer publicly. Give him some of your authority, so the whole Israelite community will obey him. If I'm going to reach God's full potential for me, here's the next thing you want to write. I have to be ready, I have to be ready to change. Now, God himself never changes, but God is a God of change. Joshua didn't know there was a change coming. He just faithfully doing what he was doing. Well, if I'm going to reach the potential for God, I have to do what he wants me to do. So do you. It doesn't matter what it is. I just have to be ready to change. Now, the Bible tells us in Romans 12 how he does this. Listen to it. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. God has left you, and God has left me here to do two things. One, to change me to be more like Jesus. That's an ongoing process forever. We'll talk about that in a moment. But then to make me an agent of change. God's desire is for me to go to the world and tell the world there is someone who can change your life. That person is Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said to these men, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So God has you here to change. You have to be flexible to change. Well, look at verse 18. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua. Moses asked for a new leader to, to, to come behind him. And God says, take Joshua. So let me ask you a question. Who chose the next leader for the children of Israel? Who did? God. It wasn't an 80-20 by the people, was it? God says, I already got the man. His name is Joshua. Moses says to God, you chose me, so choose another man. God did it. Now, let me give you a key. Why do they need a leader? This is the next statement you want to write. If you and I are ever going to reach the potential God has for us, we have to learn this principle. We have to learn to submit to the shepherd, which is God, and then we have to learn to submit to his under-shepherds, pastors, elders today. If children of Israel are ever going to get to the promised land, they're going to have to submit to God in God's timing, and they're going to have to be led by a human who's being led by God. That's Joshua. It's no different today. Now, why do we need a leader? Let me just say this. 
When God made us, all through the Bible, we have the same analogy. God made you, and he made me, and all of our campuses, he made us sheep. Sheep are funky. They follow groups of people and do weird things. They get in trouble, they just wander off. Pretty soon there's a wolf, whoop, lamb chops. If you don't think people just follow anybody without common sense, just watch what people follow today in the Christian TV, the most weird stuff. Bizarre people, not teaching anything in the Word of God. And pretty soon, here go all the people. So God knew that sheep needed to be led. So he assigned them shepherds. He is the great shepherd. So if I'm going to follow God, I have to submit to God's plan for my life, number one. Number two, understand that God puts humans in our path. So what's, what's the role of a shepherd this morning? Why am I here, other pastors and elders... Why are we here? Well, I was here because I was voted in 59 to 41. No. I was here because God called me to come. What's my role as a shepherd? All the other pastors, shepherds. What's our role? One, to feed you. What's happening to you right now? You're being fed. What are you being fed? The living word of God. Now, those of you without a Bible, I have no clue what you're being fed. Because your mind is a million places now. You've never turned anything. And so I try to say to you, get smart. No, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to get a Bible. Who suffers? You. I mean, I'm not going to go out there and drag you down and give you a Bible. That doesn't do any good. See, it has to be from our heart. What does the word submit mean? A willing attitude that wants to cooperate, that wants to grow, that wants to learn. So we're here to, to, to feed you. We're here to protect you. We're here to guide you. We're here to tend to your needs. Funerals, weddings, all those kind of things. Where we're going to be around with you. God designed under shepherds us to lead people. By the way, I'm also here as the head of this church. Of course, I'm under God. To, to take people from here to there as God directs me. And you're going to see in a moment where I'm going to take you. What my whole goal is. All the pastors. So it's no different than the children of Israel. Watch me. Joshua isn't going to go to the promised land by himself. The children of Israel aren't going to say, we don't need a leader. We're going to try to go into the promised land by ourselves. That isn't going to work. They're going to go into the promised land together as a team. A leader and followers. That's the way God designed it. Leaders and followers. You ever hear the term, too many chiefs, not enough Indians. A lot of churches are run that way. No, no, you guys are great. Leaders under God. We're just human like you. Followers. Now, here's one of our five core commitments. It, it talks about what you just see in the Bible. Connect to others in personal, vibrant relationships. This is a core value right from the Bible. When Jesus started out, he got those 12 guys, and he hung with them forever, three years. You can't do life alone. You can't get to the promised land, which is a spirit-filled life, alone. You need a shepherd, and then we all need each other, and we're a family. And that's exactly what Moses says, wait, wait a minute, I'm leaving. God, you got to have a leader. And God says, no problem, I already got one somebody picked out. And notice what he did. He, he had the transfer of power done in front of who? All the people. So the people would go, whoa, that's like God's choice. Okay, we're settled. It's okay. They understood it. It was good. It was a, a public transfer 
of power. Well, look at verse 18 again. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him. What does that tell me about Joshua? It tells me that Joshua already was filled with the Holy Spirit. If I'm ever going to achieve my God-given potential, please write this down. Life cannot be lived unless it's lived in the power of the Spirit. If I'm going to reach God's potential, I have to live the Spirit-filled life. None of us will ever reach full potential by trying to do life in our own strength. It's absolutely impossible to do that. Just before Jesus went back to heaven, he said to his disciples, Hey, I'm going to heaven. And some of the disciples said, good, we already know what to do. You made us fishers of men. We're gonna, the minute you go, we're going out. We're going to change this world for Jesus Christ. For you. We're going to do it, God. And Jesus said, whoa, whoa, time, time, time. No, 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 no. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to go to the upper room, and you're going to have to be filled with the power of God. You're going to have to be anointed and empowered by God. You can't do this in yourself. So if you'll go there and you'll be empowered, then you can go out. And you can be world changers. You see, Jesus taught the availability and the necessity of the spirit-filled life for every single believer. Now, what about today? The spirit-filled life. Let me give you an example through the history. This will just take a moment, but you'll love it. Because it will give you a picture of what our life is like. I'm going to start with the nation of Egypt. Here's Egypt. In the Bible, Egypt, here in Melbourne, Vera, Orlando, Sebastian, here in Egypt, it's a picture of the world. It's a picture of a believer who is in bondage. The children of Israel were in slavery. It's a picture of a person who's not yet a Christian. Make sense? All right. Egypt, it's an analogy. It's a picture of, of people who have not yet been saved. So what does God do? He sends Moses, who's a type of Jesus, to be the what? The deliverer. Jesus came and he delivered us. So it's a picture. When Moses came, they left Egypt. They were freed from Egypt. And we're going to celebrate communion. How did they get freed from Egypt? Remember, every family had to take a little lamb and they had to kill that lamb and they had to put the blood of the lamb, which was a picture of Jesus Christ, on the doorpost. And when the death angel flew over that night, Pharaoh, who had refused, who's a type of Satan, refused to let them go. Pharaoh finally said when the people were dying everywhere, go, get out of here, take everything. So it was a picture of our salvation. We'll celebrate that during communion today. Jesus came to this world and he died for us. He paid the penalty for us. He laid his life down for us. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. So the Israelites, about two million of them, headed out into this place called the wilderness. Now, they were shortly to get to the promised land. It was to be a very short trip. Now, watch this. Here's the promised land. What is the promised land? The promised land for Israel was the nation of Israel. It's all the land that was theirs. Well, the promised land is there. So what's the promised land for me today? promised land for me is the spirit-filled life. It's where God controls my life and, and empowers my life, gives me joy and peace. and full. It's where I'm supposed to live. Paul says this in Ephesians 5. 
Be continually filled with the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God control you. So God saved us, all of us. He he took us out of bondage, and and he moved us through this little short path of immaturity where we're growing to live every day in the Spirit life, fearful life. This is where, this is where I reach my potential, in this area, the spiritual life. Well, Pastor Mark, what was this wilderness deal? Well, the wilderness deal was just to be a short little trip. You know, when you become a Christian, you're a baby Christian. Just takes you a little while and you start to mature. And it was just to be a short period of time. But here's what it became for Israel, and here's what it becomes for most of the church. When you look at the wilderness, the wilderness is a picture spiritually of this. Write it down. The carnal Christian life. Now, is there a difference between the carnal Christian life and the spirit-filled life? <laughs> Night and day. Paul in 1 Corinthians, you can look it up later, 1 Corinthians 3, he comes to the church in Corinth and he says this, as he looked at the people, I'd like to speak to you as spiritual. I'd like to speak to you as spirit-filled Christians in this church. But he says this, I can't. I can only look at you and call you carnal Christians. What's a carnal Christian? It's somebody who has one foot in the world and one foot in God. And they're trying to do this, and they're comprom- and it's very uncomfortable. And they can never go forward. And they're always off balance. And there's no joy and peace in their life. To be very honest with you, a huge percentage of Christ's followers never get to the spiritual life. This is where they live. And if you're here, you will never reach your potential for God. I can't get you there. But I've been given... Ability to lead you there. If you listen to my teaching this morning, you can leave the carnal life. You can get serious about following Jesus Christ. You can discover the joy of being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, for some of you, listening to the Holy Spirit, you're totally confused. What is the spiritual life? What does it mean? I watch Christian TV. Is that what it means? That is not what it means. So notice the leader, Joshua, is already filled with the Spirit. So he can begin to accomplish what God wants. When you're filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, you can listen to God, you can hear God, you can have wisdom, and you can accomplish what God wants. Without it, you will always be in this wilderness, never sure what's happening. Up one day, down the next. Move to the Spirit-filled life. Now back to Joshua 1. You were just there. Two more books toward the back of the Bible. Moses is dead. God comes to Joshua. He says, get ready to move these people into the promised land. Joshua 1, look down in verse 3. Now as you get ready to cross the Jordan River, verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised, the key word is, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great river of the Euphrates, the Hittite country, to the great sea of the west. So if I'm going to reach God's potential, what does those verses say to me? Here it is. Write it down all our campuses. I must believe all of God's promises. I I cannot achieve what God wants for me if I don't know what God's promised me. You see, the promised land was not a second thought from God. It was a covenant given to Abraham who formed the nation of Israel, passed on to Isaac, then to Jacob. You see, the Bible tells us that God cannot lie. So all of his promises are true. Well, you say, Pastor Mark, 
promises, what do you mean? Well, let me show you in verse 5 an amazing promise. Look at verse 5. God says to Joshua and the children of Israel, because they're a team, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. What does that mean? Well, that means that when you get in the promised land, there's going to be enemies there. Just because I'm spirit-filled doesn't eliminate spiritual warfare. There's always spiritual warfare in our lives. There's always the enemies to battle. There's always my flesh and the world and the devil. I'm always at war. Well, he says to Joshua, here, I promise you this. When you get in there, you'll always be a winner. You'll always, or you're going to have to battle, but you're always going to come on top. So here's what you want to write. Does that apply to me? Yes, it applies to you. If I'm going to reach God's potential for me, I have to rely on his divine power. If I do, certain victory in my life. See, you know, I mean, they're going to actually fight, but it's going to be God's wisdom and God's power that's going to enable them to win. Joshua is told by God before they step into the promised land, the end result of all the battles. It's the same for you and me today. Ephesians 6.10 6, says this, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and the mighty, his mighty power. Whatever you are battling this morning, the battle is the Lord's. That's what the scripture says to us. And we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's a promise from God for you. Oh, it may be bad. I might get knocked down two or three times, but in the end, I win. You win. No matter what you're fighting today, eventually, if you'll believe God's promise, he will bring you through it. Now, sometimes you don't like those words. I don't like them either. He'll bring me through it. How about a detour around it, God? <laughs> Amen. Can I get people to agree with me? Two or three, let's just agree that he'll take me around me. But it doesn't work that way often. Sometimes he takes me right through the middle of it. To do what? To show me his power. And by the way, while I'm going through it, i got to flex my old spiritual muscles. And I'm growing. Because I know there's light at the end of the tunnel. Some of you are sitting here this morning, and you're listening to Satan. Well, God doesn't love you. No, he does love you. Well, he would never let that happen. No, we know that's all always going to happen. It has nothing to do with God. He is going to be for you. He is not against you. It doesn't matter what's against you. It doesn't matter who's against you. God's for you. And so he's saying to Joshua, Joshua, the battle is already won. As long as you don't fight it in your own natural ability... Rely on the power of God. And if I do that, God's potential for me is unlimited. By the way, some of you have fallen by the wayside. You used to be over here and you really love God. And you backslidden. And you're almost, you almost find yourself back in Egypt. You're doing things you never could believe. And you're discouraged. You find yourself here in our campuses. And the enemy says, you know what? You've gone too far back. God will never take, you know all the potential God has for you? It's wasted, it's gone, it's finished. That's a lie. God promises, he can't lie, Satan always lies. Be ready to change, submit to the shepherd as well as his under-shepherds. Today, Pastor Mark taught us of the humble mindset that's required to reach our God-given potential. The Lord is constantly at work in our lives and those around us, so we must be attentive to his calling. Are you willing to be changed by God and challenged by others today? He has unlimited opportunities in store for those who submit to Him. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will give listeners the final keys to reach their God-given potential. The Lord wants to use every Christ follower who surrenders to Him. If we believe all of God's promises, then we will rely on His power, not our own, and live with a peace of assurance knowing He's always present. How freeing it is to know that the God of the universe wants to carry us through life and maximize our impact. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Ephesians. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.